Good morning. Welcome to Daf Yudal, page 14. The Gemara first talks about the debate between Rameir and Reb Yehuda about interrupting in the middle of the Shema. According to Reb Meir, if you are in the middle of a paragraph of the Shema, you can initiate a greeting and respond to a greeting if it's someone who you fear. And if it's Bain Aprak in between chapters, you can initiate and respond to someone who, even someone who you respect like a teacher. And according to Reb Yehuda, it's one step more lenient. So in other words, if you're in the middle of the paragraph of the Shema, you could only initiate a greeting with someone who you fear, but you could respond to even someone who you respect. And if it's between chapters, you could initiate a greeting with someone who you respect, and you can actually respond to all people. And then the Gemara continues and compares this to uh, Hallel and Megillah, even though they are only Midrabanim rabbinic, whereas the Shema is biblical, but the same halachas would apply, and you're allowed to interrupt in the same way uh, for uh, Hallel. Uh, interesting, there is a discussion later in the Gemara about the days that you say hallow. It turns out that there are 21 days that we say hallow that are required. They include the days of Sukkot, the days of Hanukkah, the first two days of Pesach, and the days of, the first two days of Shua. So those are the 21 days. The rest of the days, Rosh Chodesh, and the latter days of Pesach are actually Minhag. And the whole, all the rules of interruption don't necessarily apply to those days because they're only Minhag. There is a giant host host which takes up the whole page, which talks about the issue of when you have something which is only a minog, like Halal on Rosh Chodesh and the latter days of Pesach, would you make a bracha or not? Very interesting, uh, Tosos are there, gets into issues of women making brachos on wearing tefillin and other mitzvos that they're not necessarily obligated in. Anyways, the Gemara continues and talks about the idea, it's a total tangent, but just based on the fact that we have a similar name who said one thing and now says the next thing, that during the fast day, the question is, we know you're not allowed to eat, but are you, are you allowed to taste food? And the answer is you are allowed to taste. And similarly, the question's about whether you make a bracha on minimal tasting. This means tasting without actually swallowing. The Gemara then on the bottom of the page has a whole discussion about how you're not supposed to greet people before you dive. And it's as if you built, built a private altar to yourself. And uh, it's, it also talks about discussions about how you're not supposed to do chafatzah. You're not supposed to do your needs, your business dealings before davening. And if you don't do your business dealings before davening, you instead daven first. Hashem will take care of your business dealings and everything will be okay. There's a very peculiar statement here about anyone who uh, sleeps for seven days without dreaming. I don't know if it means without dreaming or without remembering their dream is called ra, is called evil. Then the bottom of the Amah turning to the Yodal and the Beis, we go back to the idea of defining what are Bein HaPrakim? And in the Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda had said that between the third paragraph, Hashem Elokeichem, Ani Hashem Elokeichem, and the word Emes, you're not actually supposed to make any interruption whatsoever. So you say, Ani Hashem Elokeichem, Emes. And the question is, when you start the next paragraph of what's really Emes Vyatsev, do you repeat the word Emes or not? And the Gemara records that there was somebody who did it a bunch of times, Emes, Emes, and actually Rabbah sort of made fun of him and said he's like been... Be, beheld or besieged by the word MS. He keeps saying it over and over again. Okay, then there's a, the whole discussion about whether or not you're actually supposed to do the third paragraph at night. And there were some versions in Israel that actually either totally skipped the third paragraph or only said the first sentence and the last sentence. Questions were asked, oh, it's true, maybe you don't need the whole paragraph for the mitzvah of tzitzes, because there is no mitzvah of tzitzes at night. But what about for the idea of mentioning Yitzhak Mitzrayim? We had said previously that there's an obligation to mention Yitzhak Mitzrayim in the morning and Balelos also at night, the famous Mishnah from Belazar ben Azari with Benzoma. So how come we don't have to do that? So the answer is, even in those places where they did not say the third paragraph, they had a special paragraph 
a special tila that said, we thank you, Hashem, on taking us out of Egypt. So you don't do the third paragraph, but you have a special, a dedicated paragraph. Then the Gemara talks about the ordering. We already said in the Mishnah, why do we have the first paragraph and then the second paragraph of the Shema? The first paragraph is accepting Omaku Shemaim, the yoke of heaven. The second one is all mitzvahs. But now we have other reasons, and basically it comes down to the idea that the first paragraph of the Shema has learning, teaching, and doing. The second paragraph only has teaching and doing, and the third paragraph about the tzitzis only has doing. Finally, at the bottom of the page, the Gemara has a whole discussion about the order. You wake up in the morning, you wash your hands. Then the question is, should you first put on tefillin and then do Shema and Shemona Esri like we do it? And when you're saying the Shema, you're actually already wearing tefillin. Or the reverse, maybe you should say Shema and then put on the tefillin afterwards. There was some opinion that Rob did that. And the Mark concludes, no, Rob only did that because his servant, his attendant who brought him his tefillin, brought it to him at the right time, but really you should first put on um, tefillin and then only afterwards say Shema. Finally, the bottom of the page, we have a very harsh statement. Ula says, If you say the Shema without wearing tefillin, it's as if you are made a dusheker batzma, you're testifying falsely because you say, that you should tie the tefillin and you're not actually wearing them. Now, obviously, it only it doesn't apply on Shabbos and Yontif. It obviously does not apply to people who are not obligated. Women are not obligated in the Shema. But if you are a person who's obligated at the time that you're obligated to wear the tefillin and you're not wearing the tefillin, you're saying the Shema, it's like you're testifying falsely. Final bottom statement of the Daf says, Rabbi Yochanan says, if you really want to be Mikabo Omahu Shemaim Shlema, complete Omahu Shemaim Yoke of Heaven, this is what you should do. You wake up in the morning, you go to the bathroom, you got to go to the bathroom, then you wash your hands, then you put on uh, tefillin, then you say the Shema, then you do Shemonasra. If you do all those things in that order, it's Omahu Shemaim Shlema, it's the complete acceptance of the yoke. That is Daf 14, Yadal. See you tomorrow for Daf 15. Shavuot Tov, welcome to Brachos Daf 15, page 15. Uh, the Gemara continues talking about the idea of how we prepare for davening, and the Gemara says in the name of Rav Abba, Amar Rav Yochanan, that anyone who goes, wakes up in the morning, goes to the bathroom, washes their hands, puts on tefillin, reads Shema, and then davens, the Pasuk considers this person as if they had built a Mizbeach, the Hikrul of a carbon, and brought a carbon on it. Fascinating, just the daf or two before, we, we said that someone who wakes up in the morning and takes care of their own needs, uh, does business dealings, eats food, says Shalom to his friend, it's Ilubana Bama. It's as if you build a uh, private altar. Well, here, if you do these things the right way, it's as if you built a Mizbeach. The Gemara goes on to talk about the idea of washing your hands before davening. It says that if you don't have uh, water to wash your hands, you're allowed to use other things that will clean your hands, dirt, pebbles, wood sticks, whatever it is, to actually clean your hands. But the Gemara actually said that this is really more about... <laughs> Um, that, that Rav Chista cursed somebody who would go after water too much because we're worried it's Dafka to go after water instead of these other cleaning agents because we're worried that then you might actually miss this Kriyashma. When it comes to Tefillah, we're not as concerned, either because Tefillah has a little bit more time or because there's a concept of Tashlumim with Tefillah. When it comes to Tefillah, Shimon Esra, you can actually dive into Minchas. And then the Gemara talks about how much distance would you have to travel either backwards or forwards in order to tra- Dafka try to find uh, water. The next Mishnah talks about a few halachas. First of all, let's say you read the Shema and you actually can't hear it. There's a debate whether you fulfill your obligation, meaning it's inaudible. The halach is you do fulfill your obligation at least after the fact. Also, let's say you read it, but you actually don't, you don't, you don't clearly enunciate the words. You still do fulfill your obligation. And the third issue is how Karl Mafreya, if you read it um, backwards, meaning the halach already is, if you read the, the parshas out of order, let's say parsha number three, then parsha two, and then number one, you do fulfill your obligation, but let's say you read either a pasuk out of order or even within one pasuk, you know, psukim out of order, 
or within one pasuk, you read the words out of order, then you actually have not fulfilled your obligation. And finally, the Mishnah says that if you read and you make a mistake, you only have to go back to the place where you made a mistake. You don't have to go back to the beginning of the Shema. Okay, then the Gemara goes on and explains what's the logic of the opinion that says that you actually have to say Shema in an audible way that you have to hear it. It's because it says, You have to hear in your ear what's coming out of your mouth. But the other opinion is you don't have to hear it because they use that word Shema to tell me that you have to, uh, that you can do it in any language that you understand. The Gemara goes on and it takes a lot of time to try to prove the authorship of different statements that have to do with saying things, saying either brachos or birchas hamazon, or one thing is the bracha on, on separating truma or megillah, uh, where there's an obligation to say something and hear it. But let's say you are deaf, you can speak, but you can't hear. Um, would you fulfill your obligation, l'chatchila or b'di'evet? And there are many brises or mishnais about this, and it actually spends about a, a half a page trying to just really establish authorship. I'm not going to get into all of that, but you can see that if you do the full daf. But then I'm actually going to skip ahead to the middle of the next of the next Amr of 15b, because that really gets into the next halachic discussion, which tells us what the halacha is. The halacha is, which means that the halacha is that we pass again, first of all, you don't have to clearly enunciate the words, and also we pass again, you don't have to do it out loud. If you actually look in the Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnah the Mishnah says that the halacha that says that you don't have to say the Shema out loud, actually is not really the halacha, because we pass and hear her is la of kedimur, that just thinking words are, is not like actually articulating them. But the Mishnah explains what it means is that even if you don't hear it, even if it's completely inaudible, even if you just think the words, then at least you fulfill the idea of all ma'achu shemaim, you've accepted the yoke of heaven, Hashem likes it. But if you actually do have a chance to, to, to repeat it later, then you really should repeat it and say it in a way that you can actually hear it. The Gemara con- continues and talks about an interesting comparison between Sheol and Rechem, between the womb and the grave. And very interesting, it says, just as with it comes to the womb, the womb is machnes, it brings in the zera, the sperm, and is motzi, a child, so too the womb brings in someone who's passed away, the corpse, and it's motzi, that person, in a live form, when there's tchias amesim, which is very interesting because uh, when we were learning Nida, there were all these discussions and re- references to um, to the vaginal canal as the psichas hakever, the opening up of the of the grave, and it, to me that felt like a very negative thing, which it still does, very challenging uh, comparison. But here at least it's giving a positive spin on the comparison between a womb and a kever and a grave site, but definitely something to think more about. The Gemara continues and talks about the pasuk that says uchsavtem, you should write these words, which tells you ksibatamen has to be complete writing, even those parts of the Shema, which are Ukshartim, it's instructions, it's a tzivoy, that you must bind them to your arms, even those things have to actually be in the tefillin and in the mezuzah. Finally, in the bottom of the Amud, there's an idea of the Maritam, that it has to be clear teaching, that when there are words that, that mix together, like Al-Levavcha or Al-Levavcham, where the last letter of one word and the first word of the next are the same, you have to be careful not to let it run on together. Tosus gives other examples like the af. If you read it too close, it's the It means something else. It means to, to, to curse. Um, and also the mantizkiru. A lot of people will lengthen the design tizkiru like that to make sure it doesn't sound like tiskiru, which is from the lashon of schar, which means that you'll get rewarded for doing these things because we're supposed to be doing the mitzvot shalom nasakavapras just because of the mitzvah, not in order to receive reward. That completes daf fifteen. See you tomorrow for daf sixteen.